Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fanatics podcast. I am here with Ben in LA. Hi, Ben. Hello. I have Matt in London. Hi, Matt. Hello. And I have Gary in Santiago. Hi, Gary. Hello, everyone. All right. Let's get started with football moments of the week. And Ben, you're up first. Yeah, my, my football moment of the week was Jurgen Klopp's post-match interview um, after Liverpool drew Brighton. He was obviously really frustrated. Uh, James Milner got a hamstring injury. A couple of VAR decisions went against him. Um, but what I found the most kind of funny was he went on this really strange rant against Chris Wilder saying, you know, they've been arguing a lot about if the Premier League should have five substitutes given the rest of the European leagues have uh, five subs. England only has three. Um, and there are a couple of holdouts among the Premier League managers who want to keep three subs because they think it's um, an advantage for them. Um, and Klopp was basically like, yeah, Chris Wilder is one of them, singled him out, was like, you know, wants three subs, but they already have one point. He kept saying three subs, one point. Um, so <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, a lot of people were saying Klopp's rant was like Keegan-esque, like... Um, I didn't think it, I didn't think it was that bad, but it was definitely like a rant that I haven't heard from him too too often. So I well, don't know if you guys caught it, but I thought it was pretty funny. I, I've not seen it, but um, I, I think Klopp's got a good point. But uh, while Wilder's got a point as well, uh, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I I thought the um, the interviewer did a very good job of winding him up, like. I, that that interviewer should definitely get more work interviewing Klopp in future. Yeah, it was it was clear he was trying to wind him up, right? Like in a not very subtle way, and it Klopp just fell for it. I know, hook, line, and sinker. It was great. He admitted it later, didn't he? I think in a BBC interview later, he said, "Oh, I, yeah, I shouldn't have said those things. I got wound up a bit by the guy in the moment." He does have a bit of a history, doesn't he? Of uh, of like being completely like off the rails right after he gets a disappointing result. Seems like a very good moment to catch him and wind him up. <laughs> um, Matt, what's your football moment of the week? Uh, I mean, I guess almost slightly boring, but it was like a, a piece of footballing uh, beauty, I thought, uh, where there was a uh, close battling match between Everton and, and Leeds yesterday. Uh, they had lots and lots of shots. It appeared no one could score. One of those games where no one's ever going to score. Uh, just somehow everyone's going to miss. And then Rafinha, just from absolutely nowhere, just gets the ball, moves it slightly to one side and just pings it in the corner. Um, I hadn't really heard of him before as well. So it was like a surprise and also sort of like a fantasy alert sort of mode. It's like, ooh, that looks like a promising player if he can do stuff like that. So I thought that was quite a, a footballing moment. Good bit of class. Yeah, I was talking to um, a mate of mine who's a Leeds fan the other day, and um, he says that he absolutely, obviously, he absolutely loved Bielsa and loves this Leeds team. Um, but he says that one of the things that's strange about it is that the team seems to be not that interested in scoring goals or not conceding goals. It seems to be more interested in like winning each individual moment of play and whether or not that results in a goal is kind of immaterial. And so you have like Bamford as a centre forward because he's good at everything except shooting. And so he's perfect for this Leeds team. All this like stuff seems like games like that seem to happen quite a lot to this Leeds team, don't they? Where they just do yeah. everything except score, and they seem to be okay with that. 
Yeah, it's an incredibly tacking but low-scoring team. Uh, <laughs> Pretty odd. But yeah, uh, I think Matt Phillips was back. Uh, I think that's his name, isn't it? Uh, Calvin and Phillips. Calvin Phillips. Sorry, yeah, Calvin Phillips. Uh, and he seemed to shore them up quite a lot. Um, I was watching the match today highlights, and they're showing different moves and saying, well, they've, they've, they've shipped quite a few goals recently, but he was injured and now he's back, so maybe they'll ship less goals. Um, so that might have an impact too. Yeah, he's like a good player, doesn't he, Calvin Phillips? Mm. And he's obviously got the, uh, the Bielsa man bun as well, which helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to let Gary go last with the football moments of the week because he's clearly got the best one. But um, uh, my one is obviously, as the third Man U fan on the, on the pod, is going to be Man U. Um, for anyone who didn't watch the Man U Southampton game, which probably mo- most non Man U fans didn't, um, Southampton went 2 0 up in the, in the first half, which, um, like, I thought Man U were the better team in the first half and ended up 2-0 down because James Ward-Prowse is just incredible at set pieces. And then in the second half, I thought Southampton were better than in the first half, maybe even the better team. And somehow Man U ended up winning the second half 3-0 and the whole game 3-2, um, which is kind of odd. And the difference there was uh, with Edinson Cavani, who got an assist and two goals. Um, the two goals that he scored were both goals that really nobody else in the Man U team would have got wouldn't have been in the right place to score, and even if they were, would have missed. So, um, yeah, it's kind of Edison Cavani seeming to finally come to life uh, as, a, as a Man U player, and um, it, it seems like he's still got it, which is, a, I think, a surprise to me, and probably I'm not the only one. Um, Matt and Ben, what did, what did you think of Cavani's performance? Yeah, it seemed uh, he seems like a striker of strikers' instincts to score uh, not sort of scrappy goals, though quite good goals, but sort of like those sort of instinctive in the right place in the box type goals. And uh, Manu, I don't know, haven't I mean, don't really have another forward like that at the moment. Um, Rashford and Martial are class in moments, but they don't really seem to poach in the way that Cavani seemed to do there. It was uh, very impressive and very very satisfying. Went from completely depressed that we were somehow losing a match and didn't think we deserved to lose, to completely elated that we turned around a match and never expected us to turn around. My, my favourite moment from the, the game was um, the equaliser where Cavani headed it from Bruno's shot. And you see McCarthy appeal for offside when Vestergaard is like literally behind him. <laughs> uh, like Vestergaard is just playing everyone onside. I thought that was just hilarious. <laughs> You see, like, you see Vestergaard's face as well, where he's like, oh, this is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I'd, so I'd, just, I'd, I'd just like to pick up on what you were saying about Ward-Prowse and that amazing free kick that I just noticed like, none of us have Ward-Prowse in our teams, and I'm kind of, kind of wondering why. <laughs> I'm wondering why I don't have him. Uh, so my, my wife's going in her team, and he's been banging the goals in. for. He's got three double digit hauls these last few weeks for um, six million. Um, what, why, why, what, so I don't know why I haven't got him. Why, why does nobody else have him? Um, I have a history with Ward Prowse. He's never, he, he's consistently had like weeks where he gets double, like double figure point totals. Um, but he always does it when he's not in my team. So I have, uh, I have like a personal feud with him that I'm, has caused me to not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm similar. I think he's quite flashy, isn't he? Like, I think over the course of a season, he'll get a decent but not spectacular points tally. He's priced in the bracket where you want consistent returns. And 
sometimes he looks like today incredible and then he'd go five weeks with absolutely nothing because other than being a set piece taker he is actually a defensive midfielder too so it's uh there's nothing but those set pieces mm, just just one other thing on ward prowse i mean i was kind of thinking that kind of maybe england should think about playing him in their first 11 because if you if you've just got somebody who's that good at it's not just the corners it's the free kicks as well but he'd be worth so much in like an international tournament when the games are often a bit scrappy and disjointed and just having having that extra quality might just might be worth a big winning a big game or losing it yeah i can definitely see value in keeping both ward prowse and somebody like dominic calvert lewin both on the bench to bring on together so you've got like ward prowse's free kicks and calvert lewin's jump combined like as a, as a plan b if we're like one nil down in the last 15 minutes it's like it's like when mclaren brought beckham and crouch on against croatia and it and it worked <laughs> <laughs> it worked for exactly a little while like yeah <laughs> yeah obviously those two are nowhere near as good as crouch either anyway <laughs> um good so i did promise promise big for your football moment of the week gary Okay, so so my football moment was from watching the Brighton Liverpool game earlier this uh, this weekend, and all the all the commentators and the Latin American commentators they they love to have like these descriptive words for the players. Like I, I've noticed, um, for example, there's a there's a few players like uh, Kai Havertz at Chelsea. They always go, it's always like El Flaco Havertz, the, the skinny Havertz. Or they, they even had like the, the spicy song, El Picante song. <laughs> uh, and, and this game was um, James Milner was playing and they kept calling him El Choclo Milner, El Choclo. And I was really confident like Choclo is like sweet corn or uh, particularly in Latin America, you get this big chunky sweet corn that he's kind of in a lot of dishes. I was trying to think like what? I, I even looked in my phone in like the dictionary to try and see like does it have another meaning what what does what does this mean um but it didn't it just meant sweet corn and i was trying to think so what what do they mean by this is he like uh because they eat so much sweet corn here he's maybe he's very versatile he <laughs> different dishes all around pitch <laughs> that's it or did were they kind of saying he's a bit bland he doesn't really do much but um so i googled this and it was actually featured in the guardian knowledge about 10 years ago um it, it was someone writing into the guardian knowledge saying why why do they keep calling uh milner like choco milner because he'd misheard choclo as choco uh, and then someone wrote back with the answer the choclo is is apparently because he people think that his head looks like a big chunky piece of dried <laughs> sweet corn quite quite angular and this the shape and kind of goes in uh, so, so I, I did a little experiment with you guys last last week like I sent you a picture of some sweet corn and said like which player does this remind you of and and, and none of you said Milner so I, I don't get it really I, I think it's a bit harsh so um but yeah that that was my football moment of the week I'm just amazed I've been calling him that for 10 years yeah, I don't know if it's just this one commentator or whether it's become like a widespread thing in Latin America. But I will, uh, I will try try and use it out and see if it's uh, see if it really is a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, during the World Cup, when Herving Lozano scored against Germany, they they always had this Mexican um, commentator on. I think it was I think it was on Fox Sports, and he kept calling him Chucky Lozano. 
Chucky 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 Lozano, which apparently is, is something to do with the Halloween movies. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it was very strange to me. Like it does seem like it's a, a feature of South American commentary. Not they don't just go go a lot, but they also give <laughs> random nicknames to the players. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Gary. That was an excellent football moment of the week. Um, we'll come to our teams next. And Ben, since you, according to LiveFPL.net, had the highest score so far this week, um, I'll start with you. Yeah, very, very happy this week. So currently on 53 points. Uh, we're potting on Sunday. So before the Monday games. Um, and yeah, defense did well this week. Um, Chilwell got me eight points. Uh, Diaz. Um, and then kind of the backbone of my team is I saw Bruno from last week where I was forced to make that move. He got 10 points, sadly, no bonus, I, uh, which I was a bit disappointed. Like he got a goal and assist. Um, the transfer I made this week was, um, Son to De Bruyne. Um, and that paid off. I know last week we were debating if City would turn up, um, and they definitely did. I think Burnley actually helped them quite a lot. They didn't really park the bus, which was surprising. Um, so I captained De Bruyne. He, he got me uh, 20 points. Um, my frontline blank this week, annoyingly, Kane, Bamford, Calvert-Lewin. You know, Matt alluded to that match where I think they were like 30, 40 shots on goal. Bamford missed some scissors. He's a terrible finisher. Um, but yeah, I, I can't be too uh, displeased. I've got Grealish and Martinez to come tomorrow, and it looks like 53 points will get me a green arrow this week. So I'm pretty happy. It's a pretty strong week. Um, and obviously, with, with Grealish still to play as well, which is a, a potential point scorer. Um, do you have a, a conundrum relating to your team for the pod this week? Yeah, my conundrum is. Patrick Bamford, because he is still only 6 million, so pretty decent value. Leeds have a ton of shots on goal every game, and he plays 90 minutes every game. Um, I'm wondering if I should or ditch him. Uh, not f- Potentially for another forward like Callum Wilson, and Newcastle have a good run coming up. But also potentially... If you look at 6 million in the forward line and you look at around 6 million in the midfield, I could probably do Jota in midfield instead of Bamford up front. So that's another thing I'm thinking of. But yeah, what, do you, what are people's thoughts on Patrick Bamford? I, I can't remember. I think some of you still have him. Just going to stick with him. If, I feel like if you stick with Bamford, you might sort of stick with him the whole season because <laughs> you can't predict when he's going to score. Yeah, well, he he definitely trolled me because I got rid of him and he scored a hat-trick. So I immediately thought, oh, no, this is an error. I need him back in. And he's kind of quietened down since then. Um, but, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of think for his price, he's a really good one to have just because he, like, leads always create chances. And I think even if he doesn't score, he's going to get the odd assist here and there just because, like, everything kind of goes through him in the final third. So, yeah, I, I think I think he's a... He's a bit like Jimenez. He's like in a mid-table team that don't score loads of goals, but score a reasonable amount, and he's involved in most of them. So, yeah, keep for me. It's the lack of well. There's plenty. There are alternatives out there, but like I guess you could swap for Watkins. But I'd imagine Watkins might be quite similar in 
yeah. his uh, output this season. Um, and as, yeah, if you're going to try and play around of your system uh, to get some like Yota in, in a five-man midfield, then that's potentially one avenue. But then that probably means picking someone like Brewster, who's just never going to score points and it's going to be quite difficult to get out your team. Uh, uh, although Andy might want to say more about that because I think he's gone for that tactic and it is working quite well for him. Uh, so I think it's one of those, yeah, maybe if you go for like a complete non-playing striker, otherwise I'd probably say it's about finding cash for a bit more of a premium striker. Um, I've gone Werner Kane, uh, Calvert-Lewin and my strike force, which didn't work this weekend, but um, fingers crossed for me, it, it does work eventually. But um, I think it's, yeah, you, it's, uh, you've got to decide who your alternatives are. Um, because I think he's he's quite well priced for his range, but you've got to probably change your sort of makeup of your team a little bit. Uh, that could be a viable tactic. Yeah. Um, yeah I think. Oh, go ahead, Andy. Um, so I think I, I agree with what Matt said. The, the, the alternatives that you're looking at in in the same range as Bamford, like Watkins, Shea Adams, maybe a stretch Mitrovic. Like there isn't. It's pretty slim picking to that price range. Um, so if you if you're going to have a 6.1 million striker, I think he's by miles the best pick. It's just yeah. the question isn't so much whether you want him as whether you want a 6.1 million striker at all. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Um, in terms of my transfers and captains for next week, I'm going to hold um, because I'm I'm targeting that Liverpool game, which is in two game weeks against Fulham. Um, so I might hold and then try and get Salah. And potentially even Jota double up for that game. Um, but we'll see. And then my captain for next game week is going to... I'm going to stick with De Bruyne against Fulham. Um, I was laughing a bit because um, Sterling was the alternative. And he didn't even start, which is crazy. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with my De Bruyne pick right now. He looks kind of more nailed on. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably solid. Solid reasoning. He's the one that isn't subject to pep roulette as well, isn't he? So, again, it's a good reason. Um, good. Thanks, Ben. Um, next in the points, I'm on 40, so I think I'm next. Um, so, my game week with 40 points is okay. It's not a bad week. Um, I also have um, Stuart Dallas to come in off the bench with eight points and also Brewster to come in off the bench because neither Matt nor Mitchell played a minute this week. So um, with uh, auto subs, I'll be on 49 points. Really, my week kind of hinges on what happens on Monday because I've got Kufal and Cresswell, and obviously everybody else is Grealish. So um, if that's uh, a clean sheet for West Ham, then there'll be 12 points for me and no points for Grealish for everyone else. So that'll make it a good, good game week. If Grealish scores a hat-trick, it won't. So that's kind of, um, it's kind of all still to be decided on my game week, I think. Um, the transfer I made this week was Jota in full Grealish. So nine points for Jota obviously is a good return for somebody who's um, who's as cheap as he is. Even after my uh, my naysaying on last week's podcast, I, I was talked into it was well. Um, so yeah, uh, Kane and Calvert Lewin doesn't really impact anything because everyone's got them both. Uh, should obviously I'm regretting not captaining Fernandez, so very nearly. Did, but in the, in the end, I decided to go for Salah instead. He got an assist, so it could have been worse, but it could have been a lot better, especially because goal hadn't been disallowed. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my It was another one of that. those 
stupid offsides, wasn't it? It was like he was so he was level, but they they say that his toe is offside. And uh, I mean, for me, it was good because I don't have Salah, but I, I would have been very annoyed if I was a, a Liverpool fan. Yeah, but for the hair on his big toe, he would have been onside, right? But um, I think the issue with my issue with the offside rule is like it's changed the rules of the game. Like it used to be the attacker had the attacker had the benefit of the doubt, and now the defender of the doubt because any slight part of the body is deemed offside and so you're getting a lot more of these goals disallowed and Salas was just another one to fall victim I can't, as a Man U fan I really can't complain but um, it's <laughs> definitely annoying do you, um, did you read what they do in the Dutch league where offside VARs they thicken the line I think it's five times thicker than the Premier League and if the lines overlap at any point, then it's not offside. Um, so I thought that was quite an interesting system. I wonder if like the Premier League should do something like that. So you yeah. get these annoying, like marginal decisions. It's like umpires' call, isn't it? In cricket, you'd get the the ones that are too close to call. You just say, "Well, we'll just stick with the original decision." So for me, that would be a good solution. I don't know. I feel like you're always going to get these marginal decisions when there's VAR. Like, wherever the line is, it's going to be marginal. Like, the point of the AR is so that it can make marginal decisions. So, complaining about there being marginal decisions is kind of complaining about the concept of the AR, which is already going to happen. Yeah. But the, the problem with it is that as a, as a player, you can't see the line. And, like, you want... The rule has always been that if you're in line in any way, then that means that you're supposed to be onside, and they've changed that to making it offside. So that's, that's like just changing the rules at the same time as VAR has come in for no good reason. Like, if they'd made it so that any part of the body being level, for example, then they wouldn't have changed the rules. And you'd have, like, the same game as we always had, just with the fine decisions being correct. But that's not what they've done. And that's why Salah's goal didn't count. Therefore, I should have more points. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun watching as a non-owner. I was like, oh, yeah, definitely offside. Yeah, it's funny though because when that goal when that goal went in, I thought, oh, that looks close. And then you ended up like you don't know if it's a goal or not, and you're waiting to see it back. And then you're like, yeah, it's, it's it kind of changes changes the way I watch football. Yeah, I'm sure we'll all get used to it eventually. It's just annoying for now. Um, my conundrum for this week is um, I have Brewster and Mitchell on the bench who are both the cheapest players in their position and neither of them look like getting any points anytime soon. Um, and at the moment, I, I'm kind of carrying them because I can't afford to, like, I have to, like, damage my team somewhere else to make one of them better. Um, this week, my transfer, I've already made my transfer for this week, which was um, I, I lost matter and brought in um, Mason Mount, which... Leaves with zero in the bank. So uh, my question really is, am I okay having two completely useless players on the bench or do I need to sort that out? Um, I'm of the theory, because I'm in a little bit of a similar situation where I've Mitchell, Kilman from Wolves actually got dropped today, although he came on as a sub. Um, so he may be dead weight soon, or at least like Brewster level who only comes in for 20 minutes. I think you can get away with two kind of non-playing subs. Bruce is not completely non-playing because sometimes he'll come on. 
as long as your first team like is always playing essentially. Um, but obviously, it's not ideal. I don't think it's worth burning transfers to fix it either. It's definitely probably something you want to fix if you um, are in a good place with your team and you have you know spare transfers to make. But um, I'm definitely not in that situation. I don't know if you're in that situation either, Abby. But I think you can just about survive. Um, but as soon as injuries come, then obviously I think probably have to take hits. Yeah, I wouldn't be burning points, like burning taking hits to uh, to fix that problem because, uh, as you say, it's just not not quite worth it for such cheap players. But maybe part of a long term strategy, if you get the opportunity here or there, maybe get some money in the bank or have a plan to upgrade one of them at one stage um, fairly soon. Because um, I think the Christmas period in particular, uh, you've already got lots of injuries happening to players because they've been quite burnt out. Uh, and then it's gonna, the schedule's going to get even more sort of hectic. Uh, so uh, I think so an injury's going to happen to one of your players in the next couple of weeks and maybe you need to sort of uh, latch onto that as an opportunity to sort of rebalance things slightly. Fair enough. Gary, do you agree? Yeah, so you, you could maybe if you if you save up a transfer, so you have a double transfer, you can do one of the moves you want to move, and then kind of switch a little bit of your deadwood with your second transfer. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Now I'm like I'm really happy with my first eleven right now, so I think I'm going to take your advice and and stick with it. Obviously, we've made some mountain it now, um, and then if I just have a spare week, I'll save the transfer and do it the following week. Cool. All right, next up, uh, Matt, you're, on, you're only one point behind me at the moment, 39 points. Talk, talk us through your game week. Uh, yeah, so it's been a bit of a frustrating week, really. Um, so in the build-up to the week, uh, I had Dinho in my team. Uh, I was planning to do maybe a four-point hit to get De Bruyne in um, and also maybe get rid of Sace, uh, and for, for another Man City uh, in, in Diaz. Uh, and then with uh, Dinia getting injured meant I didn't have a starting because I also have Mitchell. I didn't really want to play Walker Peters against Man U, so I, I didn't have a like a complete back line. So in the end, I didn't do the De Bruyne transfer. I put Robertson in to try and maximise my chances of a four point hit turning into to points, uh, and it didn't quite work out. Uh, so Robertson was on for three three bonus points up until the point that. The penalty was given away, which is a, a little soft, uh, and he did give it away, I guess. Uh, so that didn't that didn't work out as a transfer. De Bruyne then got ten points, uh, and then Son, who I kept thinking, oh well, maybe maybe he'll he'll do well still, uh, didn't do anything, and the, the whole match was a bit of a damp squib. And I actually had Kane, Werner, and Son, so three of my big hitters in that game. And uh, as far as I can see, nothing nothing happened other than. Again, for frustration, like the closest thing that happened was Werner scored a goal, but again, it was ruled out for offside as a VAR. Um, so, uh, frustrations all round, but at least I had Fernandez as ca- and I captained Fernandez and he, he got me the point. So, I've, I've got a average ish reasonable score, but uh, I took a hit and uh, I, I still don't have De Bruyne on my team for Fulham next week. So, I might have to pay, take more hits this week, I think, uh, to try and get get someone like KDB in. Um, and my conundrum is uh, kind of just that. Like, I want to get De Bruyne in. I wasn't sure uh, if he was the one to go for uh, out of the Man City assets. I think after today, or yesterday's performance against Burnley, he, 
he almost certainly is. Uh, so how do I cram De Bruyne in my team? Do I sell Robertson, who I've just put in, or do I sell someone like Werner? I think it might have to be Bruno, mightn't it? He's because he's he's the only or Son. But Son's quite a big leap. Do you have any money in the bank? Oh, so yeah, I should explain a bit more then. So I've got no money in the bank. I need to raise two million on top of uh, Son's value. So it's, it'd be Son out for for KDB, and the other transfer needs to to fund it with um, two million. Um, so that means dropping a Robertson down to a five million means dropping Werner down to seven million or under. Um, or it means, as you say, selling someone like uh, Fernandez for um, uh, an eight and a half ish million player. You, you definitely don't want to sell Fernandez. I mean, <laughs> yeah, just, that's, that's what I was going to say. It's, just that's... scoring every week, uh, much to our delight. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one, isn't right. it? Kane. I could if, do... like, if, if you could just double down on Spurs' hard fixtures, some for De Bruyne and then Kane for somebody um, a couple million cheaper. Could do, could do. Uh, I guess it's yeah, it's the, it's the rather than the, the computer might be the one that makes that pick, but the human in me doesn't want to like lose double spurs straight down to zero spurs in one week. But uh, it's yeah, it's definitely a viable one. The problem is, is that we've just talked about uh, for Ben's uh, Bamford uh, slot, there isn't really anyone in between in the eight, eight ish million bracket uh, who's fit at the moment. So you'd have to go all the way down to a, a to a Banford or a Watkins, uh, who uh, sort of pick up the points here and there, but nowhere near as regularly as some of the big hitting strikers. You've already got Calvert Lewin, haven't you? So he, he he's obviously the one around that range. But you've already got him. How about Tammy Abraham, because uh, he seems to be playing at the moment for Chelsea, doesn't he? Despite like the, it seems that Werner's been put onto the left wing and Abraham's playing up front. Yeah, that's a that's a smart one. Yeah. What do you reckon, Gary? Um, yeah, so I think I was thinking about having Robertson in my team. So I'd, I guess he's the one that I'd probably keep. I, I guess I'd probably lose Werner if you were trying to do that because I, I guess he's quite a lot of money for a striker that seems to play out on the wing. But. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I'm I'm very envious of the people who have De Bruyne in their team, as I've somehow managed to lumber myself with three other City players, so I can't get him in. Um, and yeah, I think I think you've got to have a look at which of those big hitters you can do without. So it's probably Werner. Yeah, I think I would actually do Werner to someone really cheap, like uh, Bamford or Callum Wilson. And then that will give you money. In the I don't love your fourth midfielder spot. <laughs> like yeah. I know, I know, Poden, I know, scored today, but Wolves have like Liverpool away next. They have Chelsea coming up. They have really tough fixtures. And then he can't be playing Suchek every week. So <laughs> I would, I would, I would just save that money and look to eventually upgrade that fourth spot. To like someone better, like Yotta or Ziek or Mount um, Pulisic is back. I don't know. It feels like that seems better than that seems a better long term move. Yeah, right. that sounds sounds sensible. 
I just noticed that you picked uh, Suchek over Podence, uh, Matt. That's quite a nice... Uh, nice yeah, yeah, that's another sort of uh, one for this weekend of like what, what ifs. Uh, I, I flipped a coin on that one and the coin has uh, cursed me, clearly. Well, we, well, we don't know yet. We don't know. Suchek, Suchek brace, maybe, but uh, or a Suchek drop, oh. who knows? Yeah, fingers crossed on him getting dropped because Podence has come in with the goals this week. And that's the thing of Podence, oh. he's... Just at the point I'm about to sell him each time, he uh, he does something just to say, oh, maybe, maybe I should keep him. He's, he's a starting striker for Wolves in midfield. Maybe maybe he's worth it. And then he doesn't do anything for several weeks and gets subbed on 59 minutes like, the week after. <laughs> he is cheaper, isn't he, Podence? He's kind of an enabler. Yeah, I think he's, he's an enabler. But as I think as Ben says, he's currently in my fourth midfield slot. So that's an enabler that you really should be playing every week and is he quite good enough for starting position I don't know it's uh he's he's on the edge he's on the verge of, of being either a, a differential bargain or a useless uh sort of yeah sort of a weak weakness mm. okay well Gary that brings us to you um why don't you talk us through your game week uh, so I'm on 36 points with three players left to play. Um, so I've got a couple of the ones that were off the, the a couple of my kind of my wild card picks came off quite well. So um, Dallas, who, who you've got as well, Andy and uh, Torres, who I brought in from Man City, uh, who picked up eight points. Um, but I'm kind of ruining. <laughs> My, I, I came back last week. I'd been out all, all evening and basically re- realised I hadn't done my transfers and had a bit of a maverick uh, session uh, a week ago where I um, transferred in uh, Laporte and Castagna and uh, last week also benched Son, which luckily I got away with uh, <laughs> thanks to Zaha's injury. But um, yeah, so I've now, I don't really like my team at all at the moment. I've got Laporte who didn't play for some reason, so I, I don't know why that is. Um, kind of, but hopefully he'll come in. But but yeah, I didn't quite realise that Castagna's still a bit injured, so I've just wasted five and a half million on an injured Leicester defender. So um, I'm kind of hoping that he comes back. If he does come back, he will be quite the differential because I don't think many other people have played him this week. Uh, but um, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, but yeah, it's, it's basically been about terrible captaincy choices for me. So last week I went with Grealish, as you covered on the pod, and that he got one point. And this week I went with Mane, thinking Mane always plays to Liverpool, and Brighton usually let a couple of goals in, and so surely Mane would be involved. And he did. He came on for the last half an hour, um, but he, yeah, he did actually score, but he was clearly offside this this wasn't one of those vast narrow offsides he, he kind of went a bit early um but at least by coming in off the bench he he saved me from having neil maupai in my team so, so my main dilemma is what do i do with maupai um because i was so happy when brighton got the penalty and then he he missed the penalty put it wide and then I couldn't, I think it transpired later he'd been injured, but I thought that the manager had just subbed him off for missing the penalty because I saw him looking very miserable and walking off down the tunnel. And I was thinking like, what's going on? Where's Maupai gone? Um, so yeah, that should have been a game where Brighton get two penalties against Liverpool. That should have been a bumper Maupai haul, but in the end he was a 
minus one. So, so thank goodness he's still on my bench. Uh, and Mane did get a, a few minutes to keep him on the bench. Uh, <laughs> it's a captain's uh, contribution from Sadio Mane there, isn't it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> How annoyed will you be if Grealish gets dropped tomorrow or rested or something? Yes, I need uh, I need Grealish to play, but I'm pretty sure he will. He always plays. So, uh, yeah, so, so, so my dilemma... I guess it's kind of similar to Ben's. I think I was going to get rid of Maupai. Um, so I'm, I'm shopping in the same bargain basement bucket. So it's whether I go for, um, whether I go for Callum Wilson. Like Newcastle are rubbish uh, <laughs> scoring goals, but Callum, Callum Wilson isn't. He's, he, and he's on penalties and he's scoring his penalties, unlike, Ma, unlike Maupai. Um, okay. I guess my other dilemma is I want to try and get a Chelsea defender into my team now. Um, so probably drop one of my expensive defenders for a Reese James or a Zuma. Um, just because I, I think Chelsea have actually hit upon quite a good formula for, for fantasy football in that they, they're good against the weak teams and their defenders score plenty of points. And then against the good teams, the Chelsea just seem to be devoid of any ideas. So against Man United and against uh, Tottenham, it's just been a nil-nil draw. So you, the, the defenders work either way for Chelsea. They, they're good against bad teams and they're good against good teams. Yeah, I think Callum Wilson, next ball fixtures, Villa, West Brom, Leeds, Fulham. So that's not bad. It's pretty it's good. It's worth some time then, isn't it? <laughs> Um, the only thing I will say is because I watched a bit of that Palace Newcastle game for some reason, uh, nothing else <laughs> to do. Newcastle are awful, they're so bad, but it's clear Callum Wilson for some reason he's just like he's he's exactly the type of player that should be in this Leeds team. If he if he was there instead of Bamford, he would score so many goals because he's still a really good <laughs> player, he's just so clinical. Um yeah, Newcastle complete smash and grab against Palace, but you do feel that Wilson will score in spite of you know Newcastle being terrible. And yeah, the Laporte one—that's really unlucky. I, I mean, who knew that? I don't even know what's happening. Why is why is John Stones playing all of a sudden? Um, hey, John John Stones didn't even play last season when they had Rodri and Fernandinho playing centre back together. They still had Stones on the bench. And yeah, now, now now Pep is saying things like, "Yeah, John Stones doesn't make any mistakes, so he's going to play." It's just like, what what's happening? It's like complete <laughs> Pep roulette. You just can't read I what he's going to do. Genuinely, he's falling apart. I, I called it like uh, right before um, the the lockdown last, last like uh, last season that like the Guardiopolis was coming. I stand by that. Like this is it. we are watching it happen right now. It's 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 in slow motion. But it's definitely happening. Like he's the the the, the thing that it was that, that game where he played um, Fernandinho and Rodri at centre back. I was like, this is it. It's happening. He's going to start playing like no centre forwards, and he's going to play midfielders in every position except left back. Like it's happening. <laughs> I like to think he's doing it just to troll Gary. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I mean, I thought Laporte is surely the only one who plays, and, and then for some reason, it seems to be. Um... The, the Man, Man City defenders, it, 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 normally it's Kyle Walker's the one who never gets any points. You always think, oh, he should get some points. But no, he's actually doing quite well these days. He's getting assists and chipping in with the odd goal and playing every week. When you think Kyle Walker, like surely you think, I'm not going to bring Kyle Walker in. He's bound to get rotated. But 
he's not being rotated and the players who should be playing every week aren't. So, yeah, what are you doing, Guardiola? You're useless. <laughs> I, don't think that, I don't think he can rotate Walker because Walker's pace is, like, really essential to Man City's defensive strategy. Like, how many times do you see Walker, like, sprinting back to recover because somebody's broken through, but Walker's fast enough to catch them? Like, if you watch City play, it's just a real feature of their play is Cole Walker sprinting back. I think that's true, but usually when that's when Laporte isn't playing because Laporte usually does that sweeping up job because he's always in the right place and is just so much better than John Stones. But uh, yeah, whatever. Guardiola's made a, a decision there just to troll Gary, I think. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> the only other one I'd suggest, Gary, is um, maybe thinking about Ollie Watkins. Uh, he does seem like he can be quite explosive at times. Um, and, and Aston Villa, I think, are a better team than Newcastle. So, uh, so back back to my triple Villa strategy. <laughs> it worked so well before. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I never, I'm never so against doubling up. If you think a team and a players are good, then um, the fact that they play on the same side, only uh, it's only for your enjoyment of watching the weekend because you can. There's not enough game. There's less games that your players are playing in, but. Um, Statistically speaking, it shouldn't really affect things, should it? Yeah, well, yeah. It's just if Villa have a tough game, that's kind of three Villa players I'm trying to hide. That's my only. Uh, my yeah, only but thing. their Although... fixtures are quite good for the for the next few games, I think. So that's that's the one thing I'd say that makes I'd, it viable. I just one last thing I want to I want to give a big shout out to my backup goalkeeper Bailey Peacock Farrell, who who came out of nowhere to play. He he still got zero <laughs> points as he's done for every other game this season, but. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I've suddenly got a, an extra player, an extra, an extra weapon in my squad. I never knew I had. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who is Billy Peacock Barrel? Why did he play? Uh, I think Nick Pope's got some kind of head injury. The game says so. Um, so yeah, he's the Burnley reserve goalkeeper. Bargain Va- four million. Yeah, Var saved him from scoring an own goal as well. So uh, yeah. He was <laughs> almost got less than zero points on his debut in the Premier League. Amazing. <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, let's take a break on that and we'll come back with our, uh, our, our talking points for next week. Yeah, it was there. He just didn't get the height. I think John Lundson's been told to strip off, to be honest. forward looks as if he's stripping off all right welcome back everybody um we have a few talking points for you this week um we're going to start off with uh, with one from ben about liverpool yeah so i currently don't have any liverpool players in my squad um they're down to kind of the bare bones defensively, a lot of injuries. I think Robertson is their only first choice defender, still not injured. Um, you can see with the Champions League games as well, a lot of fixtures. So like Klopp is like rolling out um, teams where like he's rested Mane this week. He brought off Salah after 60 minutes. Salah looked really upset. Um Strangely, it seems like Yota is the only one that is kind of nailed on. Um, do people think that 
due to their injuries, they're really going to suffer FPL wise. Um, because, you know, I was planning to bring in Liverpool players uh, for this Fulham game and maybe um, stick with them for a little bit. But do, do, we, do people think like the wheels are going to come off Liverpool in terms of um, results, FPL points? In which case, like, it may be okay to avoid Liverpool players and potentially you could just cover Liverpool players with Yota, who is cheap, um, and not really try and bother with, like, Salah, Mane, Robertson. Um, so, yeah, what do people think? Well, I just went for Robertson, uh, sort of backing a thought that maybe he'll be a focal point now that they've got less attacking assets like Trent in the team. Um, it didn't quite work out, but then he did create a lot of chances and almost kept a clean sheet. Um, likewise, Salah and Mane almost scored, uh, but for VAR in, in the, that game against Brighton. So I think they are going to score goals. Uh, they are probably going to get points. Uh, but then looking at your team, your your players that you, the alternatives that you have are also like the Man City ones that are scoring points. So it's a bit like almost you almost have to accept and maybe hide under the sofa uh, when Liverpool are playing. Maybe just accept the the fact that you might be losing out on points, but that the yeah that maybe maybe there are better ones out there that might score just slightly more points in, in sort of Man City and their their better run of fixtures. Yeah, I I had quite a similar thought process to you Ben actually because I, I'm I have Salah and I'm thinking about taking a four point hit to get De Bruyne in um because the next fixture is Fulham and they've got obviously City have got a load a, a really nice run of fixtures now and they tend to do well against bad like when when City are good they win five six nil and when they're bad they're rubbish. So if they're gonna be good in a few of those games then De Bruyne is going to help himself. Um but the trouble is that Salah's also got Fulham coming up. And so the thing that made me not want to take the hit is that I'd, I'd want Salah back for like yeah. the 13th of December for that game. Um, I don't know. I feel like Liverpool's fixtures, they're a mix. Not like they're not easy, they're not hard, but they're like they're one of the two best teams in the league. So you'd expect them to come through most of those. Um, Tottenham, also, Tottenham is really is the only one that I think they will, they will struggle to score in. So I've decided to to stick with Salah, although that may change by the time deadline comes up. And I also have Jota as well. Um, so I've kind of picked Liverpool over Man City for the upcoming run. And I've decided that it's too late to change it now, so I have to stick with it, like Matt says. What do you think, Gary? Um, I just think they're going to they're gonna rely on Salah and Mane more than ever. So I'm, I'm a bit frustrated because I've... I've got I've gone for Mane rather than Salah, and we've we've had this debate before. And I think Salah is the better pick. I would rather have Salah in my team right now, but it's a bit of a waste of a transfer. And kind of hoping that Mane is going to come good now that Salah's had a couple of good weeks. Um, but I, I think they're a class above Jota. Jota's had a great start, but I feel like he's probably going to start dipping in and out of games a bit more. And it's a bit of a fluke that he's got all those goals. Like he's, he will score more goals the rest of the season. But if I had to put a number on it, I'd say he scored five in the first 10 games. I guess he'd probably get another six or seven goals over the next 28 games. But I, I would be very surprised if he's sitting on the same kind of return and getting a goal every, every second game. But that's, that's my only thought. 
Yeah, so I guess I guess the potters think the wheels won't come off um, Liverpool. I think the ne- I think because I was planning to bank the transfer. I think the Wolves game coming up will be quite informative. If, if you know, it's a pretty tough fixture. Wolves just uh, beat Arsenal today, so I think that will be a good fixture to test if uh, the wheels have come off the Liverpool bus. I mean, if they if they hmm. come through that one, I think then then it's looking pretty good for their upcoming run. Wary of um, is that I'm I'm very, I'm considering very strongly taking a hit to get De Bruyne in for the Fulham game, but in the back of my mind, if Fulham is that easier game, then is that the one that Klopp and Guardiola target for resting a couple of players, especially their star players? So you can end up taking a hit to get Salah or De Bruyne in just for that game, and then they end up not playing. Um, it's definitely a risk, I think. Yeah, the thing with De Bruyne, of course, is that this is this is the season of injuries. And De Bruyne having played pretty much every minute and with Guardiola showing no sign that he's going to rest him, like, surely it's a matter of time before his hamstring goes or something and he's, he's out for a significant period. I think you just have to deal with that when he gets injured, though, don't you? You, can, you can't kind of take him out because you think he's going to get injured. Um, no, but you cannot transfer him in because he's a higher risk than Salah. Mm. I mean, one, one last... One last thing on the Liverpool side. It looks like Jimenez got a really bad concussion injury. So I don't know if Wolves without Jimenez will be a bit weaker. Kind of without I know they they did well without him against Arsenal for the rest of the game, but it might just play into Liverpool's hands a bit without him there. Perhaps it's time to load up on Traore again. Maybe it's Traore time once more. <laughs> gonna rely on, yeah, could be. They're gonna Podence. rely on pod, podents these days, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that salient point, uh, let's move on to our next talking point, shall we? Which is uh, from Matt. You wanted to talk Chelsea? Yeah, so I want to talk Chelsea. So I've got um, Werner in my team, who I put in a couple of weeks ago instead of Chilwell. Um, and, well, that hasn't paid off, unfortunately. Uh, Chilwell's scored, outscored him over the next the last three or four games since I put him in. Um, but I think I've been a bit unlucky with that because Werner seems to have a goal disallowed every single week at the moment. Um, so he's very, very close to scoring every week. And I think he's quite explosive. So I quite like Werner, uh, even though everyone's recommending I sell him at the moment. So maybe, maybe he won't still be there. Um, Abraham, you mentioned Andy, is another sort of viable pick. Ziyech looks class. Uh, hasn't done it the last couple of weeks, but got a good score the week before that. Uh, and then their defenders, uh, James, is just, I think still 5.1. And uh, Chilwell's uh, justifying his price tag is up at 6.1 these days. So are Chelsea assets, uh, which Chelsea assets do people think are the best ones to have at the moment? Um, and should we be loading up more than more than, uh, than some people are because their fixtures are sort of middling to average? Uh, are, are, they, are they titled contenders that we should all be loading up on because they're really, really good? Or are they sort of the Chelsea of old where they're, they're not quite outstanding and therefore... You sort of maybe want one asset, but no more. What do people think? I think, uh, do you Gary? I, I was just going to say that I, I feel like Chelsea are kind of doing a little bit better than they are, like kind of results-wise, if, if you get what I mean, that they, they kind of seem to be getting good results, but I'm still not convinced by them. So I... I wonder if these fixtures they have coming up are actually a bit tougher than they look on paper. Because, I mean, 
Leeds at home, that might actually not be a nice game, for comfortable game for Chelsea because Leeds, we've seen how they play and attack teams. Then they go away to Everton and Wolves. So like none of the they're none of their like big six games, but outside of the big six, that's probably about as, as tough as it gets. Um then they have West Ham, but then they have Arsenal, then they have Villa, then they have Man City. So there's no run of kind of mm. winnable easy games. But so I'd I'd say it's probably just get one Chelsea player in and it's it looks on paper like they had a lot of really interesting midfielders, but their midfielders are not getting many points. So it is kind of Werner or, or one of the defenders. So I'd say, I mean, Reese James, because he's quite cheap, or Zuma uh, is the other one, just because he's a, a threat from set pieces and plays every week. Um, I think I, I agree with Gary on the, on the defenders. Um, my, I actually have a different, different take, though, on what Chelsea are. I think they are a really good team and I think they're going to finish third this season, say, like at a minimum. So I think that they are probably, the players are underpriced compared to how good the team is. What's difficult with them is that they have so much attacking talent. There's been injuries so far, so it looks like they have a kind of a fixed team. But Werner's going to alternate between centre forward and left wing. Abraham's going to be in and out of the team. Pulisic's just come back. So and obviously they've got habits who's just come back as well. So then, can you guarantee that Ziyech and you know the other attacking players are going to get the games? Um, so I think it's quite difficult to pick the players that are, that are going to play week in week out. Um, I've I've gone for Mason Mount because I think he's kind of integral to the way Lampard wants to set the team up. He's like the the, the manager on the pitch, so I think he's the least likely to get rotated. That's why I picked him. Um, beyond that, I'm not really comfortable with any of their attacking players uh, just because you don't know whether they're going to play or not. The defenders, on the other hand, I think are great picks. Um, I, I think Reese James is a bargain at 5.1. Um, I think actually, if you're looking for a, a, a more expensive goalkeeper, you can do a lot worse than Mendy as well. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree completely with, uh, with Gary on, on Kurt Zuma. The other one, obviously, really premium price point with Ben Chilwell. Um, a couple of people in my other league. Uh, um, getting a lot of returns from him. So he seems to be doing very well too. He's returned every week since he's joined Chelsea. Every, every single Yeah, very reliable. He's Because uh, they the, the left wing, they do, like whoever plays on the left is never a left footer, right, attacking-wise. So that is a lot of space for Chilwell to attack into. So he mm-hmm. gets assists. He obviously gets the clean sheet if Chelsea get one. So, yeah. He even had a, a wild swiped shot from inside the box with his right foot this week. So that had gone in. <laughs> what do you think, Smug Ben, with Chilwell in your team? <laughs> I know. I, I'm so surprised I've gone away with being the only owner of Chilwell for like weeks and weeks. Um, yeah, no, I agree with what Gary and Andy said. A defender makes sense. And just pick who you want, depending on your price point. I've actually seen some teams double up on Chelsea defenders, um, which has worked out for them in the last couple of weeks. May not be super super great with the fixtures coming up, but um, I think that's an option. Chilwell's really good on bonus. I kind of agree with the point on attackers where they all seem slightly underpriced, but you don't know who's first choice. Um, so I have Ziyech, um, but I'm definitely he could be on the chopping block if um, he gets rotated or keeps blanking in the next couple of weeks. I just feel Chelsea are good enough where 
Um, they could, the attackers could do well in the next couple of weeks, depending on who plays. Like, I could see them putting a, a couple past Leeds and Everton. Um, but I think it's kind of wait and see. Because um, it is hard to tell which, which of them are, like, the must-haves. I don't feel like there are any must-haves um, with Chelsea and, and attacking players. So, yeah, that one's a bit more tricky than defenders where... Like Gary said, the defenders are good because they're attacking against bad teams and then they just shut up shop against good teams. So, like, you, you wasn't in for a shout with points with them. Yeah, that's a good shout. So, we're, what we're recommending is James and Chilwell double up as the way forward. At the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think you might be right there, actually. You should have done it a couple of weeks ago, Matt. That's where you missed it. Yeah, yeah, well, the story of my season. <laughs> All right, we've got a um, last talking point. Then I've got one for you is uh, is Everton. So um, I kind of feel like Everton have quite a fragile team where the first team is excellent, but there's not much depth behind them. We saw when Richarlison was out, they, they really blunted their attack. Taking one player out of their attack really like damaged the returns from their other attacking players. Um, now, obviously, they, they all, they've all come back. And so... Um, they looked really good again for a few games. And now Dini's got this long-term injury. And I think the assumption was that they would just bring in someone like Nkunku, who also would play left-back, and then the system wouldn't be altered. But what Ancelotti did this week was to switch the system completely and play Alex Iwobi as a left-wing-back, which was a pretty left-field um, formation and idea. Um, and it obviously didn't work very well because they lost. So um, do we think that Dinia is another player who like significantly damages Everton's output and therefore like now's the time to get rid of even a player like Calvert-Lewin because he's going to be not turning until Dina's back or do we think hold your Everton assets because they're still a good team and Dina doesn't matter that much. So my thoughts are this is the Dina injury is one where you've got to separate uh, football results for that club from uh, fantasy assets. So I think you're right. I think Dinho is quite integral to the way that Everton play recently. He's one of their best players and their go-to man for like just, oh, we'll just whip, switch play, get Dinho on the ball, we'll whip in a deep, dangerous cross. Um, and obviously they're, they're a different team where they don't have him in the team. So I don't, I don't think their results might take a bit of a hit and they might not win so many games going forward. But... I wouldn't advo- uh, advocate like uh, Calvert-Lewin because I still think they will score the odd goal and it's more likely than not to be Calvert-Lewin. So I think he remains a good asset, uh, even though Everton might do uh, a bit dis- more disappointingly without Dinho in the team over the coming weeks. And is that specific to Calvert-Lewin or do you think the same thing about the likes of Hammers and other players that are popular? Well, I think Hammers. Uh, even before the Dino injury, was probably an asset that should be sold because he, he hasn't quite been doing it for a little while. He's, he seems to be the, uh, either the assister before the assister or, or it, he's just not quite scoring at the rate that maybe he started the season off. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't want Hammers right now. I think Richarlison's more tempting, but then he's a striker uh, and he's more expensive than Calvert-Lewin, so he's not that tempting in that respect. 
this this is high risk, but I'm I'm kind of coming around to your way of thinking, Andy. And maybe it's time to get rid of Calvert Lewin just because, like, sixty percent of the teams have him. So if he was to go, if he was to go on a, like a, a a two or three game barren run, then this could be a massive edge over everyone else in the league. Uh, obviously, it's high risk. If he if he bangs in a couple another brace, then then everyone else will will steal a march on you. But I'm just that they are their season is kind of falling apart a bit, and I feel like, I mean, they they've got after Burnley, they've got Chester, uh, Chelsea, Leicester, and Arsenal coming up. Um, but even Burnley away, like I'm starting to think for this Everton team, like is that a is that an easy game for them? Are they going to win that? I I, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion Burnley are going to win that game. So, um, you could really steal a march on people by by getting rid of Calvert Lewin. The other thing with uh... With even even going beyond Arsenal, they've got Sheffield United, but then they've got Man City and then West Ham and then Wolves. And then if Aston Villa are still good by then, Aston Villa too. So these are all teams that are difficult to score against, right? Um, which kind of implies that, you know, by uh, process of elimination, they must have played all of the leaky defences so far, which obviously has helped cover Lewin. Yeah, I, th- I feel like, I mean, if you, if you look at it, it's two points and Callum Wilson's on 67. And I kind of feel like, I mean, Calvert-Lewin's a better player than Callum Wilson, but they're both kind of two good players on a really good streak rather than two great players that are going to end up with 200-plus points. Yeah, my, So, my... Gary, will you be making the transfer? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to put your money where your mouth is. I, I, I I'm very tempted, but I still do have Neil Maupai stinking out my team as well. <laughs> so it, it, it might be a bit of a... Yeah, and he's got a hamstring injury. So it, it might be a, a couple of weeks' time before I get rid of Calvert-Lewin. Maybe I'll bench him, just for you, Andy. <laughs> so it doesn't matter because whenever you bench somebody and they score, they come into your team anyway, right? So it, it makes a difference. Uh, ben, what do you, is Gary talking nonsense or do you, does he have a point? Uh, no, I think I think he has a point. I think it just depends where you are in your mini league. I think if you're if you're needing of a differential to shoot you up, some of the logic makes sense, right? That we've discussed where dropping Calvert-Lewin uh, makes sense, but if you're like me in a better position, it's not worth taking the risk, especially against Burnley. Um, Nicely said, Ben, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Dino injury does help Hammers in terms of he takes more set pieces. Um, but I agree that he has not done it for a while. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with everyone. I think Everton are probably going to hit well, the wheels have come off a little bit already. Guinea injury doesn't help. Um, I'm just going to wait and see a bit because I think you, taking him out before Burnley can really backfire. Yeah, I think the moment has to be before the Chelsea game, right? You wait one more week, see how that goes. And then if he, if he blanks against Burnley, then maybe for game week 12, that's the start of the really bad run. That will be the moment to pull the trigger. Yeah. Agree. All right. I'm actually thinking very hard about that now. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that hard about it when I first said it. I'm thinking really hard about it now. Because unlike Ben, I'm not in a particularly commanding position right now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, 
before we close out for today, we've got the Listeners League. So, Gary, do you want to take us through how the Listeners Okay, so the top two point score, it's actually been quite an average week. Everyone seems to have very average scores. So the, the top two point scorers this week, uh, both on 61 so far, but both of them have taken a hit. So um, Harry Quinn with Matic of the day, 61 points, but with a four-point hit. Um, he's gone De Bruyne captain and has Fernandez and Callum Wilson is the magic ingredient there, I think, that that's elevated him up. And the other one, the other team on 61 is Abby with Green Arrow FC. Uh, and he's definitely getting a Green Arrow. He's got Fernandez captain, De Bruyne, Chilwell, uh, Kyle Walker, who we mentioned, um, but, but took an eight-point hit. So that's really only 53. Um, so, uh, but again, with a couple of Villas still to play. Um, yeah, as, as far as the top, top 10 goes, it's pretty similar to as it was. Um, ben is still doing the podcast proud. Uh, he's moved up from 11th up to 6th with his good week this week. So um, he is closing in on the top five. Um, top of the pile is Morten Lingbo uh, with FPL Nordic. Uh, 645 points. Uh, he also went De Bruyne captain and had Fernandez and Chilwell. So he's looking pretty comfortable with, th- with three players left to play. Uh, second is Sunstar. Tanganganam style. Um, <laughs> Sun was briefly top last week um, once um, Consa came in as her third sub, um, but Consa was axed for Vestergaard. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so, but she is, she's, yeah, she got 32 points, so is in second, clinging on in second. Um, then uh, the Rounding out the top five, we've got a couple lurking with five players left still to play. So we've got Nick Jones, um, 624 points with the Monsters. Uh, but he's got he's got Vardy captain still to play, plus plenty of Villa. And Paul Hogarty with George Castagnandia uh, in fourth, also on 623 points. And then Darren Axton, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy FC, 612. But again, Vardy captain lurking in the wings. So depending on how Vardy does, we might have a couple of new contenders. Um, And then the rest of the podders, we've, we've been pretty mediocre. I mean, Matt's on 31st place and... Um, myself, Duncan and Andy are all in the kind of 56 to 63rd range in the league. The very definition of mid-table me- mediocrity. So we need to sort that out. Well, we'll see. Once we get these, uh, these Kufal and Cresswell clean sheets, that'll, that'll clear the way, I'm sure. Ben and I just the pay- the page one podders at the moment. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Gary. Well, uh, that, that then brings a close to our podcast for this week. So um, thank you for, for being with us, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, come on, KDB, for a hit. Do I do it or not? Thank you, Gary. Uh, thanks, everyone. Don't forget to bench Calvert-Lewin. <laughs> thank you, Ben. Uh, you're welcome. I, I just want to note Duncan's conspicuous absence from this pod after Arsenal lost today. <laughs> yeah, we we we, uh, it, we honestly did miss you, Duncan. It's actually true. <laughs> um, and uh, thank you very much for me. I'll obviously be watching Burnley very very closely as well to see whether 
Calvert-Lewin scores. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you.